1: Hey guys, welcome to The Tapping Go. My name is Matt. My name is Freddie. Each week we bring you your rugby fix with
0: interviews with past and present rugby professionals. We get their views on the latest sporting issues.
1: Welcome back guys to another episode. Um, We're just kicking off with another one. We've got uh, Simone International here, played both his trade in 15s and 7s and now he's sort of playing in America in Washington. So welcome Danny Tusitala. How are you doing today, mate? Yeah, good man.
2: Thanks for having me, boys. Appreciate it. Yeah,
1: it's um yeah it's exciting always having America players who are playing in America these days because it's such a growing league but we'll we'll touch on that later um so we want to start off with your days in Samoa and talk about the sevens and I guess um what was that like sort of playing on a World Series uh,
2: I think for everyone um I guess playing for your country is always a privilege and such an honor and I think it's uh, not only not only you're representing yourself and your family but you're also representing I guess the people of Samoa, not only just in Samoa, but all, all around the world. And I think that's that's what was, uh, I, guess, I, guess the, I guess the best thing about it is being able to wear the blue jersey, but knowing that a lot of Samoans around the world are watching you and depending on you to do a good job of it. And uh, yeah, so it's tough and it's uh,
0: yeah, it was me. Obviously you started your international career, correct me if I'm wrong, with playing sevens. What was sort of your route towards the sevens uh, circuit?
2: uh man it wasn't probably i guess one that a lot of people think i guess i was just i think back in new zealand i was just kind of cruising uh hanging out with my mates and just doing whatever sort of working as a laborer and i i think in 2015 i kind of was working as a laborer but then i lost my job and then worked as a scaffolder lost that job shrink wrap so i lost a few jobs leading into it so it was it was quite a hard road, but I think I got to a point where I I saw sort of like a, I think it was a, I don't know, it was a post on Facebook and I saw it was an open trial. So I guess an open trial is like anyone can go really, like anyone can turn up and you've got guys who are the age of your your uncles, your dads, you know, you know just everyone that's trying to chase the dream. And I just, yeah, just by chance, I just happened to... I. You know, I wasn't really as fit as I should have been, but I took a chance and I went to this open trial and I was kind of like, oh, man, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And so I turned up to this open trial and just, yeah, man, there were so many people there. So I was thinking in my head, I was like, man, I don't think I'll ever get picked from with all these players around. And then lucky enough, I, I managed to do at least, I guess, one good run, one good tackle and do one good drop kick. And then which got me a trial for so I got through that first trial. And then i that was in 2015 early 2015 and then i was told i got sent an email saying i've been invited to trial again so i went to a trial to get into another trial but then the next trial was in samoa so i I obviously come from new zealand and so i had to fund like i had to find my own funds to pay my flight to get over to samoa and yeah it was kind of tough i guess when when it, when the financial side of things come into play and like I said I lost my job so I was trialling for this team and I had no job so I was kind of like depending on it and then uh when we were told that we had to fund our own flights over to Samoa and sort of look after ourselves it was kind of it, it, it did test sort of like how bad I wanted it and at the time I was kind of like I had nothing going for myself you know my rugby wasn't as, wasn't as great as I thought it was and so I took the chance and you know, with the support of my family, I uh, managed to get over to Samoa and then go through the whole process of camp training, um, you yeah, know, all of that. And then, you know, long story short, we just, you know, I was I was lucky enough that I was selected to represent my country. And then the moment my name was read out was the moment I I, I made a promise to myself to work even harder to keep or to stay in that team or to stay at their level of rugby and then so then, I was lucky enough to go on to play onto the circuit, and then the moment I played my first tournament, I just, you know, I I just was hungry for more. So uh, every time I like think back to that moment, I just think, man, like to run out to run out on a world stage like that, representing your country in the blue jersey, you know, it's like the most unreal feeling. Like I can't explain the feeling, but I know each I know everyone around the world that's done, I guess been in that position understands sort of. It makes you hungrier for more so when you go back home when you know when you're away from all the bright lights and the big stage tv everything i think that's when the work starts even more and you're just like constantly like wanting to be better so just,
0: yeah. t- just touching what you said there was this always something that you know, it was always a dream it was always in the back of your mind even when you're working as a builder or a scaffolder was this was rugby always something that you wanted to do was it always a passion from when you're young
2: Yeah, I guess growing up in New Zealand, yeah, when you're growing up in New Zealand, especially in Auckland, rugby is like everything. I guess like here in America, there's baseball, football, um, basketball, and things like that. And in New Zealand, it's only rugby, I guess. And I guess if you don't make it in rugby, you know, there's nothing else. Well, that's the mindset I guess we all have as young kids growing up. So as I was growing up, my team was Auckland and the Blues and All Blacks. You know, I I grew up wanting to be an All Black but i think growing up and going through school i didn't really take rugby serious enough i i just relied on talent and I, I think i'm one of those ones guilty of just thinking talent was gonna get me all the way once i left school i soon realized once i left school it was like oh it's like it's a whole different world like you know your talent is dependent on someone's opinion and you know so i guess that's where hard work and the effort comes in and you kind of eliminate someone's opinion by just putting your hand up and putting in the work but i was in that position where i came out of school i just was bumming around hanging out with my mates doing all sorts you know as you do when you leave school as a teenager and um yeah so i kind of learned the hard way i went through so many jobs like i couldn't even count on my fingers how many jobs i've been through and yeah it's just I like it, like you said, as when you're stand, when you're labouring, especially when you're waking up at like five o'clock in the morning to go to work, you know you go to work and it's dark. You come back and it's dark. So when you, it's like it's like a wasted day, you know. And all respect to, I guess, tradies and labourers, and I have so much respect for those people. But I guess when you're someone like that's trying to chase a dream of being a professional athlete and doing that day job, it's tough. Like you know, not many. I, I don't believe um, not many get through it unless, you know, you got the support of family and friends and things like that. So, yeah, it's tough. Do
1: you think the fact that you went through all this hardship really helped with sort of your uh, resilience through um, training and through games, especially in sevens?
2: Oh, 100%. I I believe what what my point of difference is with a lot of athletes is that I've never had the benefit of coming out of school and being a professional athlete from the get-go. And I feel as though my work ethic uh, comes from, I guess being a labourer, being being like when I say being a labourer, I was just the guy that grabbed the rubbish, put it together, sweep the floors, and did all the bum work for the actual builders. And you know, and it's it's not a nice feeling, I guess. And and that's what drives me until this day. It drives me. Like you know, when I'm when these days I feel like I don't want to do rugby. I always think back and look and you know remind myself of where I've come from, and do I want to go back there? And, you know, the answer will always be no. I don't want to go back to that feeling of having to wake up and then go to work. And then as soon as you walk in through those doors, you're waiting for the first smoker. So, you know, it's like, flip, man, do I really want to live like this? So now that I'm, you know, lucky that I have the opportunity to play rugby as a full-time job, I'm kind of just trying to enjoy it every day as it comes. Because, you know, like we've all seen in the last couple, in the last year, that rugby and sports can be taken away from us and you know it's like well what do we do next so i guess i'm at the stage now i've just got to enjoy myself while i still can and remind myself of where i've come from and what i've had to go through to get here and yeah i guess you know everyone goes through their struggles you know i'm definitely not the only one that's been through this but i guess i'm lucky enough that i can speak
0: about it because i've been there done that so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy thing, I guess. I think you are the perfect demonstration of demonstrating why the game's so good is that people, they only need one opportunity. You took one opportunity, turned it into another one. And from there, you just use that as a platform just to build your career. And look, I mean, look where you've got to now. Just talking a little bit so now, obviously you started with Sevens but you moved into Fifteens, I think in 2015. Yeah. Was Was there a particular reason behind that? Was that just because you were excited to move into a different code or was it... No,
2: nah, you- it, well, like it, was, it was funny because 2015 was all kind of like the year that everything happened out of nowhere so i guess like for me like i gave up trying to make rep teams and trying to make anything but when it came into 2015 and like i said i went to that open trial where flip man like there was guys there that did not look like athletes that did not look like they played a game of rugby so like for me it was kind of like man i've gotta i've gotta dump my pride away and just you know trial with whoever and see how i go So i went through the sevens and lucky enough the 15s coach had watched a bit of the sevens and he came up to me during camps and was like can you um how do you feel about playing sevens and 15s at the same time and i said oh if i'm given the opportunity then yes sweet so when i first initially made the manusa more 15 15 man side i made it as a winger so if you see the team naming that year my name was down with the wingers and the fullbacks as an outside because I hadn't played much halfback at the time. And so I jumped from the circuit into the 15-man game and I was like skinny, man. I was like 78 kgs. And I was like, oh man, I don't know what I'm doing. And yeah, so I was training as a winger fullback and then there was was a couple of injuries that went my way. So I got shuffled into halfback and then, yeah, from then on I decided I wanted to be a halfback. So I think, yeah, 2016. And I was just like, from then on I, I... yeah, I, I played 15s, and then what well, that pushed me into another opportunity, like you said. And then, yeah, I just carried on from there. And then I, I managed to jump back into the circuit after a bit of a 15 stint. And then, yeah, I once I finished up with the seventh, I kind of quit seventh. But, yeah, we'll get to that. But, yeah, it was a tough one.
0: You talk about that quickly, so obviously you started on the wing and now you obviously played mainly at the scrum half but I think a little bit of fly half as well, looking at where you've been playing in America. Is that yeah, something yeah. you pride yourself on, the flexibility of being able to move around?
2: Uh, I guess Oh, when we talk about that, like it, it probably, um, I guess, hurt me coming out of school, being a utility, being able to play wing, first five, half halfback, fullback. I guess at the time, I thought, yeah man, I, I should make teams because I can play in more than one position, but When I look back to it now, I can now see why coaches didn't pick me, why coaches were like, nah, we'll go with this guy who's a specialist halfback or we'll go with this guy who's a specialist winger. And, you know, I've come to learn that I've got to be able to nail one position and, you know, nail my role. Because I played on the wing, but I wasn't the fastest. And I played fullback, but I wasn't the best at high balls. Didn't have the best kicking game. Then I played 10, but I didn't have, I guess, the best game management. So nine was probably the only position that I could actually, I guess, nail because it was just passing and, you know, talking. I do heaps of talking as well. So um, yeah, so I found that halfback was probably my best position. And yeah, I, I guess playing 10 for DC the other week, well, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have wanted to play, but we had no choice, we had no one else. So I put my hand up to help the team and yeah, but if I had a choice, I would not play 10. Oh yeah. I'd probably play wing it before I play 10, but yeah. Do you answer um, so growing
1: growing up? Did you have any sort of like players that you looked up to? Because I guess there were so many coming out of um, the Auckland area that I guess so skillful in like quite similar way that you are, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I I think I'd I'd look I looked up to Orney He I think he's one
2: of the coaches at um LA. And yeah, just because he could play everywhere as well. He could play wing, fullback, 10, halfback. And guys like uh there's a lot like Christian Cullen. He'd be one of my favorites. And obviously Joan Olomu. I got I got so many. There's a lot. I I wouldn't be able to like give you just one. There's like there's so many that I could pick from.
0: Um so obviously moving on, you carried on playing Stevens, I think, till twenty nineteen, but then obviously People will yeah. listen to this now. Is it 2018, 2019? Ah, 2019. You've made quite big career changes. Now you're solely focusing on 15. So you want to talk a little bit through that decision, what was behind it?
2: Yeah, so it's a funny story. I, I think uh 2018, like I went I came back from France from doing a stint in the Pro D2, and I went straight back into the sevens and you know, I started playing some really good footy in the sevens, and then 2019 came around. It was like uh the World Cup year for sevens. And yeah, I just was, I guess I was not really enjoying myself as I would have wanted to. And I uh Vancouver in 2019 was the last tournament I played for Samoa. And I kind of when we flew home and we get four days, we get four days at home back in Auckland, and then we have to fly back to Samoa for camp. And it was the camp for Hong Kong and Singapore. And I I just didn't turn up to the flight. Like, no one, I didn't tell anyone. I just, like, I think it was, a. we arrived Tuesday, and Sunday we we were all leaving to Samoa. And then, yeah, I just, you know, I went home after that tournament feeling drained, like, mentally, like, done with rugby. And I was just kind of like, flip, man. I don't know if I want to do it anymore. And then I I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my wife or didn't tell family. I just kind of was like, made up my mind that week that I was not going to turn up to the flight. So I didn't tell the coaches, which was bad on my behalf, which is like, you know, it was, it was definitely not the way I should have done it. But I felt at the time it was the only way I could, you know, because I knew if I had messaged the coach or the manager, I was going to turn in and be like, oh, no, I'll be there. So Sunday came around for the flights and I turned off my phone. I turned off everything so that no one could get a hold of me. And, yeah, so that... That day was was tough man like i was getting texts and messages and missed calls asking where am i where like where are you we're here at the airport we're at the gate now are you coming and i gave it about a week until i text touch and said oh hey touch sorry man um and i just you know gave him the message and said oh i wasn't you know i don't think i was mentally all there anymore and so i've decided to pull out of the season so i pulled out of the season and i kind of went I think I went a couple of weeks with just no training, no rugby, just chilling, um, yeah, doing nothing. I was kind of being a bum. And then then I went back to my club at Ponzaby and back home, and I just went and joined the under under 85 kg um, grade. And I played um, played a couple of games, played two weeks of it. Played, I was playing center, so I was playing with people my size. And I was just, you know, I just finished playing in the circuit two weeks before. It. And I went and played in an under 85 kg game. People were looking at me like what the hell what's this guy this guy just finished on the circuit but i think it was at that moment i was kind of like man i just need to find the enjoyment again of playing this game and finding it like finding it again why I, why i love playing the game so i played a couple of games for the under eight fives then i went back and then i went up to the premise coach and i asked him i told him that i'm ready to play and he told me nah we're gonna we we're gonna put you down in the reserves so i played like two months with the reserve grade which was hard because I was like, man, I've played like 60 plus games for my club. How can they do it? Like, how can they do this to me? And I was mad, I was like, man, there's no loyalty. How can these guys not play me? I'm, I'm a Prems player. But then uh, a couple of weeks went by and I just kind of was like, you know what? If I'm not gonna play Premier Rugby this season, I'll just enjoy my time with the reserves. And in the reserve grade back home, it's full of guys who are just there because they purely love playing rugby. They purely love the, They love the club. And, and then I think that's that was the turning point for me, was seeing all these guys, like, you know, they work their, their day jobs, but they come here and they play for the club. They come on a Tuesday night, cold, rainy nights, and still train, still have a smile on their face. And then it was like, man, I'm, I'm being a bit ungrateful and I've just kind of been a bit spoiled and, and a bit privileged that I think that I can just walk into a team. So uh, when I started enjoying myself, I played like about eight games on the reserves and then man I was just lucky that the premier the premier, premier team had a few injuries but they didn't have any injuries at halfback but they said they came to me and said we know you've been playing um, reserve grading and you're playing really well but um you know there's a spot open for you if you if you want to play on the wing and then I was like on the wing yeah sweet I'll play like cuz at that point I was like I don't care where I play I just want to play prims so I went in And then I I was like, yes, I'm going to prove to these coaches that I should be playing prems. And then played my first game off the bench, jumped on the wing, played so trash. I was like the worst player in the team. And then, yeah, I got dropped back down to the reserves the next week. And then it was when I got dropped, I really had a look at myself like, flip, man, I'm probably not as good as what I think I am. So I went back to doing basics. Like I went back to working hard in the gym. I went back to... I guess, being more active at home, being, I guess, I guess, being around more of my kids and things like that. And then I I didn't focus too much on trying to prove myself or trying to make the prims. I just focused on purely trying to be better, be better at like playing rugby and things like that, being a better person. And when I started to nail those things, I was lucky enough, I got another opportunity to play for the Prems. And then when I did get the opportunity to play, I went in and I kind of went in with a mindset just to enjoy myself, just to, you know, if this is going to be my first or last game, I've got to make sure that I leave the field with a smile on my face. And then, yeah, I was lucky enough that I went throughout the whole season. I stayed in, I managed to stay in the team right up until the finals, played a wing, played on the wing and then got a random ass call after the final to join the Auckland Maritain Cup team at, for, as a training squad. Uh, And then, yeah, I guess the rest was
0: history, I guess, from then on. So I just want to pick up on two things you said there. First, this might be very naive of me, but since you're you're history in sevens, surely you're not better suited to be on the wing, but you've probably got the skill set, which would make you quite a good winger if you spent lots of time on it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I, not not to uh, pump my own tires, but when I went into that team, when I finally managed to get back in, I, I think I was real influential in helping us win as because I was because I purely focused on being a winger, so I wanted to be the best winger that I could be and not compare myself to anyone else, because the time that I did go in, I I was going in to try and prove myself to play halfback, whereas we already had two really good halfbacks and you know I I personally think they were better than me, but I was like in my head I was like nah I'm better than them but I was playing on the wing, trying to prove myself that I could be a half But yeah, once I focused on being a winger, I was, you know, I was a lot better. I could, you know, I was a lot fitter. I was more active. I, and like I said, I'm not the quickest wing, but I felt like I was touching the ball a lot more than what an average winger would. And yeah, so yeah, I was lucky I could do that, I guess.
0: And sorry, yes, The second thing was obviously you've touched on. We've spoken to a few Sevens players in previous series and we had Nick Malouf on for the first episode of this. We, that's something that you've just brought up which we've never really considered is the toughness of the gig of a sevens player because you are always traveling you're never in the same place in more than three or four yeah, days yeah, yeah man and was that so it was just mentally you your body was just like right i can't i don't and also you've got a family and i think you've had a family at this point as well yeah. you're just like i don't want to leave them anymore that's just you felt yeah. comfortable in yourself in making that decision
2: yeah pretty much you just summed it up i guess um when you're traveling so much and i guess for myself like i was in a like I'm in a different position to a lot of boys that are playing sevens, especially the sevens boys from Samoa. A lot of them, I guess, don't have families, and you know, I was at a point where I was like, I've got three kids, and I'm spending a lot more time with my friends and my teammates than I am with my own family. So, like, it got to the point where I was like, man, I'm only seeing my family once every two months or something, and that that was like, you know. i'm at home i'm sleeping because i'm so jet lagged and i'm you know i can't really do much and when i when i do have time that time i'm using to train while i'm away from camp so it was kind of like i didn't have a balance and you know i'm still learning that balance now like trying to be a father trying to be a husband and then trying to be a friend or brother back home but at the same time trying to stay on top of my training trying to be the best at my craft trying to do all these things and balance it, it's its still a learning process for me, even till now. So it, it is tough mentally, especially in the Seventh Circuit, being away from home. And then, you know, and then that was a turning point. Like I, when I hit that turning point, I was like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not going back. And then yeah. it was kind of like, the boys now ask me, man, like, well, what happened? I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't even know. But I did know that I was not coming back. And then. But I'm lucky enough that they've invited me back and, you know, I think I feel like I'm I'm very lucky that they can still consider me to come back and be a part of the team or be in talks of playing for Samoa again. So, you know, I guess I count my blessings that I'm able to still be in the picture because I definitely would not be in the picture if I was in the New Zealand team and I didn't turn up to a flight to go back to camp. So.
0: Is that something that you're looking to in the future, potentially if they if both either in 15s or 7s to maybe represent Samoa again? Is that something yeah, you, that you I, maybe thought? Yeah, i will
2: definitely put my hand back up for 15s this season. So I do know they've got a couple more tests and yeah, and 7s, and sevens, definitely 7s sevens, because we've still got a tight-knit group. There's a lot, our core group is still there, still together. So hopefully if all goes well, uh, I guess when we finish up here in the MLR and obviously later on in this Later on in the year there'll be the seventh circuit. I think it's a bit different, but there's an opportunity for me I guess to sneak in there. I guess if I if, if I choose to, well if the wife lets me, I guess. But yeah, kind of kind of past the seventh stage, I guess. You know, when you've done it a couple of times, it's kind of guess the same old, same old, unless you're chasing for tournaments, I guess, 50 tournaments or something like that.
1: Well, you sort of touched on it with the MLR and we, we want to sort of move on to, I guess, the America topic because that's sort of the big chapter that you're at now. And I guess when you ask most people who are playing in the MLR these days, especially when you come from pretty much the other side of the world, you and ask them, would you have thought to be playing in the MLR in about three, four years ago, you probably would have said probably not. So what, what made it so appealing like as of now?
2: Uh... So that this brings me back to that story I said when I quit rugby and I was kind of going through that playing reserves then trying to make the prems so during that time I just I just got a phone call from Andrew Douglas our head coach here at Old Glory DC and it was a random like I woke up one morning and and I had a missed call from Washington DC and I was thinking oh man it must be a spam or scam then it, he called me again I was like I answered the phone and I was like oh hello and then he just he told me who he was, and he said, oh, he has an opportunity for me here at Old Glory DC. It's going to be a new team in the new league in America. It's been, it'll be in its third season. And then I just, at the time, I was like, yeah, sweet. Like I didn't have anything no. going for me. I was just kind of like, yeah, sweet. I just sent through the contract. So he sent through the contract, I think, the next day or that day. I just signed it. I didn't even read it. didn't, didn't speak to my agent or anything. I was just like, yeah, sweet, signed it. Give me around. a pound, where do I sign? Yeah, and then uh, I kind of, and then so when that happened, that's when all of that, like me playing reserves, going into the prams and things like that. So I I was kind of like, I didn't care what was going to happen with me at club because I already knew that I was going to go to America the next season. And then I just was lucky enough that Auckland 10 Cup gave me a call, came knocking on my door and, you know, I was available and, and then I carried on from oklahoma Ten cup through the old glory last season so yeah it, it was nothing special just got a f- random phone call at the time i was kind of like had nothing going for me and just was like yes yeah, sweet i'll sign it like i didn't even ask him i didn't even flinch i was just like oh yeah sweet i'm keen
1: honestly
0: looking at looking at old glory last year they obviously had quite a good 2020 season before COVID cut it short was that something that had you seen that before and exciting prospects knowing you're moving somewhere which had quite a lot of potential
2: Sorry, what was that? Like, what do you mean?
0: So, Washington, they obviously, last year, they in, only played three or four games. They had they were very successful. I think they won three and drew one, drew one or something. Was that something you were excited about going towards, like adding to something which they had obviously already got the foundations to be a good rugby side? No, I was there. I
2: was I I was I was there last season. And then um, we won four and we lost one. So we lost our first one and then we won four. So we were lucky enough. So I was here wow. last season and then I had to go back home.
0: That's my bad. Okay, we'll cut that bit out because
1: that was an error on my part of my research. Sorry about that. Um Matt, Hi, a question. Good, um, so yeah, are there any sort of major changes that you'd like to make to, I guess, your individual playing style in the team now that like is it a different style with like the American rugby?
2: Uh I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one because I I think when you it depends what style you're sort of comparing it to. Like if you're gonna compare it to New Zealand, it's definitely different. <laughs> And and I think that's a bit unfair if you're going to compare it to New Zealand rugby. But I think America has its own sort of style. It's got a bit of flair, it's got a bit of it's got a bit of everything, I guess. And it's only going to take time, like when it would only be a matter of years when America is going to be, I guess, the limelight of rugby in the world, because obviously America is where people want to live. You know, America outside of outside of rugby here in America, there's so much you can do. You know what I mean? Like, you can go to, like, you know, eventually when things start to open up here in America, you can go to NBA, you can go to hockey games, you get baseball games. There's so much you can do here that I guess other countries can't offer. And I think that's what, I guess, brings you to that other question what's so appealing about America? Around the world, everyone follows American sports. Mm. So the opportunity to live here in America and to be able to attend games like that and to travel, I guess, because we're lucky enough that we used to travel. To these states, you know, I've, I've been to San Antonio, I've been to Austin, um, where else? Been to, shucks, where did we go last? New Orleans. Like, these are places that I've only ever heard of, or, you know, and to, be, to have the opportunity to travel to these places, it's unreal. And, and only the MLR can offer you that. So, you know, I guess we're pretty lucky. In, and in its way, MLR is quite special. And like I said, the style of rugby that they play here is, is different. I guess it's, it's still in its learning process, I guess, growing process, I should say, sorry. And, you know, so, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I love the style that we we get to play here. And, you know, we play on turf. You know, back home, we had to play on freaking grass and rain. And, you know, so it's a bit... We're pretty lucky that we can play on, I guess, artificial turf here. So, so
0: you get to play more running rugby. You talk about the sort of the positives about being America, the exciting thing. I was looking at your fixed list and you obviously got LA Latinas at the Coliseum in a couple of weeks. Surely that's gotta be one of the highlights with a crowd in as well. That's gotta be something you're already looking forward to. Um uh, Coliseum. What what's the Coliseum? So that was where the Olympics were held when they're in America. That was the um, center of it all. Um it's an unbelievable stadium. and it's one of the like limelig of American sport as well in history. Very historic. Um, oh, but you've got that you've got that to look forward to. I'm, I'm letting you know about that now. Yeah,
2: now and, now I noticed. So, yeah, okay, okay. I, I think I'm see- lucky enough to play in a few stadiums there, some historic stadiums. So be another one I get to have the privilege of playing in. So hopefully, if I make the team, yeah, it's Fing- a couple f- away.
0: Fingers crossed. And obviously, so talking about the season ahead, you guys have played three. You're one, one, draw, one, lost one. What are the prospects? Do you think you guys can compete right at the top? Yeah, I would like to think so.
2: You know, and and I think anyone would would like. I guess if you're going to play the sport you want to play to compete in the top spots but you know we 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 are in a position where we understand that you know we don't i guess we don't have the like oh what is it the depth at the moment and yeah i was trying to say that but you know we're, we're we're still learning i guess with what's been hard about it is that you know i've only just turned up a week before our first game um a lot of kiwi boys have been just filtering in coming in um We haven't quite started the preseason, you know, we didn't get a preseason, so uh, we use these first three games as a preseason as to kind of sort of find out who's who or what, who does what. And, you know, so we're lucky enough that we had the bye last week so that we could all refresh, freshen up and, you know, get ready for these next
1: couple of games and correct me if i'm wrong but i was just reading that you're part of like, the team leadership group and in particular the attack sort of i'm um, helping out with the attack what what does that sort of mean to you as like a player and what i guess what what can you bring to the team and what did that sort of help you like what did you learn from that experience or current experience do you mean like uh
2: obviously being in a leader's position to yeah help yeah um i guess when you're a halfback. It, it doesn't really change much i guess mm. you've always got to be vocal and be direct and be able to i guess stir the ship around like uh what is it like a quarterback
1: mm.
2: like eight, like but you know we're lucky enough that we have a nine and a ten, so it's like two quarterbacks at one so yeah i'm lucky enough that i've got a really good 10 outside me who you know he does a lot of he drives the game up. I'm just the guy who passes the ball to him and and does all that. But yeah, I it, like my like I've learned a lot. I guess I think with being a halfback, you just learn as much as you play. Like the more you play, the more you're learning. You can do all. You can do like so much watching film. You can watch so much film and all this and that. But I think the biggest biggest way to learn is to actually do by action and by playing. So. I've been lucky enough that I've been playing a lot of games over the years and so just using all that experience and then when it comes to, I guess, helping a team sort out an attack, you know, I just chip in my five cents and see how it goes. You know, I may not be always right but, you know, that's all a part of the learning process for for myself individually. So.
0: Well, Danny, thanks so much. Come on, one more question, and then I think we'll wrap it up there. But we've asked a lot of our guests their favourite moment in their career. It could be when they were five years old, the first time they picked up a rugby ball to last week. Anything you want? We are just wondering what yours was. Wow, uh, my favourite rugby moment.
2: Damn, would be my?
0: Would it have to be playing-wise
2: or just rugby? Any, anything, mind? anything. I think it'd have to be my, definitely my debut for Auckland Martin Cup. Because it was a team growing up ever since I was a youngin uh, that I always dreamed of playing for, and when I when I came out of school, I I thought, yeah, that's never going to happen anymore. And then you know, lucky enough, I think ten years down the track, I was able to fulfill that dream, that long lost dream I had for playing playing for my city and playing in the blue and white hoops, and to debut in in Eden Park, And it was unreal, like. I couldn't have asked for anything more until this day, it still gives me goosebumps, you know, that I was able to fulfill that dream and, and you know, because, you know, where I'm from, you know, it's kind of like, it's a hidden hope, like if you're going to make it out or you're going to, I guess, make it out and make something of yourself, I guess. So yeah, it'd be definitely my debut for Auckland. There's many others, but that is definitely, definitely my top rugby moment. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, Danny, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I've enjoyed it massively, as I'm sure you've Yeah, Yeah, you, it's amazing. Um, we think oh, we, you all, well,
2: man. Appreciate it.
0: Well, yeah, we wish you the best of luck for your season. And cheers, everyone else, for tuning in again this week. We will see you next week. Thanks, guys.
2: Thanks guys for having us. Pretty, appreciate it, man. Oh, come on! Come on!
0: Go! Thanks for listening to the Tap & Go podcast. I'm Guy Thompson and I'm a Looseheads Ambassador, the mental health movement normalizing the conversation in rugby. Head over to looseheads.co.uk and get 15% off at the checkout now with code Tap and Go. Take care.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.